Hey, how you doing, everybody online? It is so good to have you with us. We are all excited to have you with us. It is a small snapshot of church, but it is still church, amen? And so whether you are on the other side of the screen, and hopefully this is maybe only your second week. Why is that hopefully? Because I love when new people uh, commit to a series. And why do we do series? We believe that God speaks in themes, right? He, he speaks in themes, and therefore we want to devote moments of time that God might actually speak to something in our core and shift it and shape it. And so welcome. We are in our series, Gone But Not Forgotten. And it is aptly named that because we are praying that off the back of this series, you and I would learn how to live a legacy through trusting God with everything in our life. And if that is the case, we thought, I thought, maybe we all thought, we all thought that the best way to approach that is to go for the biggest giant. What is the biggest possible giant in you and my life that if we can trust God with that, everything else then changes. Yeah. It's kind of like the concept of if you, if you topple the biggest kid in the yard, no one else messes with you, right? Well, David did the very same thing with Goliath, and that's what the army did, right? The, the, the army would send Goliath knowing that if they, were, if they wouldn't take on the giant, they wouldn't take on the rest of them. But the minute that he toppled the giant, the army fleed. Why? Because the biggest threat was no longer a threat. So our goal, you might be asking, well, how is this series about generosity tied to my depression, my anxiety, my confidence issues, my lack of trying to trust, my relationship issues? I have gone through so many because I cannot trust anybody. I have gone through so many churches because of the one church that hurt me. I cannot move past where we are in current state. I cannot move through humanity's problem. I just cannot move. Why? Well, if we could nail and just attack the biggest giant in our lives, then the rest would follow. And there is nothing greater, nothing bigger, I dare say, than the topic of generosity, AKA money, right? No money, no problems. There's no greater subject. Why? Because it's what puts food on your table, it's what pays your bills, it's what puts a roof over your head, it's what keeps you, I mean, if you're, and the older you get heading towards retirement, like, you know, this is, this is legit, right? My mother-in-law just raised her hand. Like, it, it is what it is. Let's be real. And it's the number one thing that makes the church angry too. You can talk about anything. You know when there is religion, when the thing you speak about, people get upset about and then ask your stance on every other subject. Like we found that during last year when we were talking about race, the minute you talked about race, everyone's like, well, what do you think about these other issues? It's like, what, well, you, when, I, when, I talk about, when I talk about anything else, you don't ask me. But when we talk about money, people will go, well, what about your stance on? Why? Because they're like, I don't like that you're talking about this. And let me hit you back. And that's what we do. We get defensive. But we're here because we want to flourish. We want to move. We want to grow. We want to get to where God's got to us. And what God put on my heart, I want to preface it again, is that this is not a series simply aiming, not because there's anything wrong with that, simply aiming at us getting more generous. But I felt like God saying, if they could trust me with what is most difficult, the rest just seems to go. So that's what we're going for. And today's subject that we're speaking on, the topic for today, the title, if you're taking uh, uh, notes, which I hope you are, it is this on display, on 
display. Uh, we're going to pray because uh, I, I just genuinely need it, and I hope that uh, this you know, speaks to us all. So we're going to pray. You can join us on the other side of this camera, and then we're going to devote these next 26 to whatever moments uh, to God and see if he would do something with it. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Kayla, so good to see you. You know what, Kayla? I feel like this message today is a message about your life, and it's not about your life that's gone, but your life that'll be. And I feel like you have been always told that you are gifted, that you are talented. And I just feel like there has been an attack almost on your biggest day. And the crazy thing about that is that you would never know it because you haven't lived it yet. But I feel like a lot of your life has been about options. And the enemy has always tried to sell you a good option not realizing that one day you would run into a revelation of your God option. And I just want to, you know, speak courage over this year for you. I believe that you are made for so many great things and that you haven't even seen the, the, the tip of it, that we haven't seen it. And I, I don't know, I just believe in big things. So I was about to pray. I saw you and that entered my heart. So we're going to go. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that we are here collectively, Lord God, to live a life on display. We want to change this world. We're sick of praying about things, Lord God, that we should be able to get about. Father God, we want to pray about the things that we can't do. We want to pray about the things that we cannot shift. But God, today, we want to feel challenged and inspired and and moved to do the things that you and I, Father God, both know that we could do practically through our Christian uh, means, Lord God, through our physicality, through just the fact that we trust you. So God, move us today, challenge us, and help us live a life that is on display. Amen. 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 So um, as I was prepping for this message, I was taken back to uh, my first weekend at church. Uh, My first weekend at church, um, I just, I I sat in and it was like, I think it was about 1,500 people in the room. And I remember just, I'd never seen church like that. And so I was just like, I I was looking everywhere but the message. You know what I mean? I was like, and we got there early, which is always uncomfortable for a new person in church because you go to a church and, and everyone's like doing this. And I was like, I was just looking at everyone. Like the guy started doing this next to me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, check this guy out. Only to look out and then everyone's doing it. I was like, oh. And it's funny the questions you get. Because I was like, why do some do this and some do this? That was literally where my mind was at in church. Nothing profound, just why this? I want to be this. I was just like, (laughs) if I'm going to do it, I'm doing all that. Like, anyway, so that's just there. And then I remember in that moment, I get saved, you know, the service was powerful. And I heard God for the first time. And I was an absolute shy, like insecure. I, I was just, that's who I was. Not by my nature, but by my experiences. Which I want to just stop there and just remind you, be careful what you label yourself. It might be your reality, but it might not be God's intention. It might be your reality right now, but it might not be what God designed you to be. So be careful what you label and run your labels through the the one that actually created you. Only creators have the right to put a label together. No one else. So I remember uh, God said this to me. And yeah, being super shy as I was, I mean, I'd be in my friend group and they'd all tell jokes and, you know... (laughs) funny guy, I think. And, uh, you know, instead of telling jokes, I would say them in my head because I'd be too afraid to say them in front of the group. And so, but I thought I was super funny. Like, I'm that guy that can't finish his joke without laughing at it, right? So, like, everyone would be in a group and I'd be like, 
Everyone's like, Carmona, what's up? I'm like, you know, <laughs> like, that's who I was. And it's funny because on that first weekend that God grabs a hold of my heart, shakes me and says, I'm real. He puts his statement out there and he says, leaders go first. The thing about God is like spiritual telepathy, right? He speaks straight to your heart. And you just know what he means when it's just a sentence. I knew what he meant. Chris always wants to be behind. Chris wants to go be far away. Chris doesn't want to do things because he doesn't want to be at the forefront. It's embarrassing to be on the forefront. I didn't want that. So when he was saying leaders go first, he was like, Chris, I've called you to be a leader. And if you're going to lead, you've got to get used to being in front. I don't want everybody to be looking at me. I don't want every. I'm okay doing this because I'm filled with purpose. I'm passionate. I'm that kind of person. When they said, hey, do you want to move to the, to the other part of Australia to, to lead a youth ministry? I was like, yes. And then when I drive and it says, welcome to Queensland. I'm like, we're here. And I was like, I don't have anywhere to live. Because I don't think about the what. I just know God said go. And I'm like, yes, I will. Right? And so that's just kind of why I'm okay with these moments. But living a life on display, I don't know about that. But you know that you and me as Christians, if we go back to last week, and let's just read Exodus just quickly for me. Uh, I was going to start with something else, but we'll get to it. Exodus says this, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation, these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. It's basically the first moment where God tells the nation of Israel that, hey, you're mine. And you're mine for a reason. All through the Psalms, you see this thing where God says, for my name's sake, but for my name's sake, I will bless you. For my name's sake, I will save you. For my name's sake. Basically, what God is saying is, He's the most proud dad that there could ever be. Kind of like American Idol, right? You only get to the, to the bad part of American Idol where everyone's like, oh, wow, you can't sing? Because you got proud parents. <laughs> right? Mikey, Mikey, sing. Ah! He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Well, Mikey's not brilliant. Mikey's just been subject to super proud dad. And super proud dad was like, look at him. Because proud parents want to put their kids on display. Well, this is the first moment where God says, these, these are mine. And they are an extension of me. So I want you to see my goodness through theirs. I want you to see my blessings on their life. I want them to be a platform. I want them to be a, a people on display. Well, you and me as Christians, we are the second covenant. We are the second, like the reiteration of that goal. So you and me, and Christ, you and me as Christians, we might not want to live at the front. But by saying yes to Jesus, we are a nation on display. We are a people on display. He wants to show his goodness through your life. He wants to show it through your achievements. He wants to show it through his faithfulness manifest in your moments. He doesn't even, and this is why if you've ever asked, I think this, if you've ever asked, why are there giants in my life? If God is so good, why big problems? Why big things? Why? Because big problems give an opportunity to show a big God. Being a Christian, you didn't sign up for an easy life. You, shine, you signed up for a life on display. So I don't want to be up the front either. But too much is given, much is required. And God did something in my life 
so that we could change the world. This is what it is. Let's just read the mentality of Isaiah for a second. Isaiah says it this way. This is the call of Isaiah. It says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this, to this, uh, to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. And this is where God sends Isaiah as a prophet to bring his people back to him. Right? Well, off the back of that Sunday, hearing leaders go first, I signed up to a bunch of different moments in my life, and I'm just passionate. So I signed up to Bible college. I'm in. I'm just there. I'm like, let's go. And I remember we were in Bible college, and uh, the lecturer comes in, and this was one of my lecturers that he wasn't meant to take the class, but he was all about the Holy Spirit. He loved it, and he didn't know, like, he was, it was, I didn't know this until years later. It was his first year lecturing. So he was like, man, I don't, I don't have a bunch of notes. So when there's no lecturer and he has to stand in, it's Holy Spirit time. I was like, awesome. This is great. I was just there. I thought, this guy knows what he's doing. And I remember... I didn't even know what the exercise was. I didn't know what the class was. But he goes, I need three volunteers. I hear in my head, leaders go first. <laughs> and he's like, you. I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, what have I done? So then I go to the front. I'm like, all right, I'm just so nervous. I'm like, people are like, this guy's ready to go. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to run. <laughs> and he's like, you're going to give someone a word. I was like, yes, I am. I was like, I've never given anybody a word. He goes, but first, you're going to turn around and pick someone from the crowd, and then you're going to pick them out. At that moment, the world stood still. I think I liked Audrey by that time, and I was like, really, God? In front of her. And I remember that that moment was the first moment I learned to hear God's word. Like, I actually, sorry, his voice. And I actually ended up pointing out in the right direction. The person was standing behind a pillar, got everything right about it, spoke a word. They're, t- they're crying. I'm crying. I'm like, this worked. Like, everything changed. Fast forward that week, I had my first grow group. We're going through a park in, in like this area in, in Sydney that is kind of, kind of rough. And I remember I thought, I don't know what we're going to do, but I don't know how to lead a grow group. So I'm just going to, we're going to serve. So we'll just deliver pizzas to people that need pizzas. And I'm walking through and I remember... That as I'm like leading and I'm walking, I walk past these two guys and I didn't want to give them the pizza because I was in college, right? So you don't have money, so I want to eat the pizza. There's, I've already given nine out of ten. Come on, God, let me keep a tithe, you know? <laughs> this is one of your priests. And I hear God say, hey, that guy struggles with gambling. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm just going to give him the pizza. I don't have to. Maybe he's, you just want me to know because he can't eat because he can't. So... And God's like, no, no, I want you to talk to him. I was like, okay. Hey, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, they open up straight away. He's like, I'm just here because, you know, my friend here, he said he's, you know, he just, he's had a rough night. I go, so God kind of, uh, I don't don't know if you believe in this God stuff, but I kind of feel like I'll put it on my heart that maybe you're struggling with gambling. And they both look at each other. I was like, oh, now we're fighting. (laughs) Now it's on. He's like, I actually go to church. He called me because he's struggling with gambling. And that's why we're sitting on this bench. And I was just like, as a new Christian, I was like, come on, let's go. I was ready. I was like, it was the wild, wild west for me. I'm slinging out words everywhere. I'm going, to the, I'm going everywhere with it. And the difference was this, that I started to see the power of when you live your life on display. Nothing changed. Chris didn't get more Christian. He didn't understand more about the word of God. I didn't know anything. But what I did do was say this, God, use me. I'll go first. 
What if the difference maker between the, the, the church we want to see, the city we want to see, all the great things of God we want to see is nothing but you and me saying, God, this life is yours. It's on display. What if the difference in your city, in your neighborhood, in your marriage is that you and I would live our life fully surrendered and our life on display? Because see, while it's yours, it doesn't bring him glory. But when you give it back to God, it's now a blank canvas for him to paint an image of his goodness, an image of his faithfulness, an image of his healing power, an image of his provision. See, the difference is this. You think you have your life and you found God. You didn't find God. He wasn't lost. God found you. And he's giving you an opportunity, me an opportunity, People Church, Barcelona, Toronto, and every other city in the world, an opportunity to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Like, send me. I, I, I might not be the most, I might not have the most eloquence, but send me. I am afraid, but send me. So this is why this giving t series about generosity is tied to what? You living your best life. Why are we talking on display? Because I'm hoping that by the end of this seven-week series, that you would actually sign up to living your calling, not enduring your career. We don't need more people showing up on Monday at the water cooler. <laughs> How's it going, Jim? No, we don't need that. I need people showing up on Monday go, I'm fired, fired up. Like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to live my life. And the reality is this, you don't have a financial issue, you actually just have a trust issue. That's what, that's what it is. That's all it is. You don't have a generosity issue. You have a trust issue. That's what it is. Let's go to Matthew 26 for me for a second. 33 to 34. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. As well, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. That is a key part of the verse we often skip over. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worry of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It says in the next preceding verses, it says that if we seek him, that all the things will be added to us. Seek him first and all things would be added to us. I want to tell you that the reason you and I don't give and the reason you and I don't live our life for what God said, how many times, and on the other side of this camera, how many people say this, I know I am made to, but I've just never done it. I've met so many would-be youth pastors. I've met so many people with a dream that is on paper or on their laptop. I've met more people with a vision board than an action plan. I've met more people with I'm gonna than I did. And the reality is, it's trust issues. You know what the thing about trust issues is? One of my kids, right, he thought it was funny to shoot his brother in the face with a Nerf gun, right? And then I'm like, it's just wild all the time in our house. And then the next day, his little brother's walking down with a drink in his hand, and he points the gun, and he's like, and he goes, huh, what's wrong with you? Are you scared? And he's like, I'm like, what? <laughs> Two days later, points the gun at him again, and he's flinching. He's like, just, why don't you trust me? And they have an argument about why he doesn't trust him. I'm like, let me tell you why he doesn't trust you. <laughs> you shot him in the face. 
And he was like, huh. <laughs> See, our trust, problem, our trust issues come from a real wound. And the next time you see something that resembles the moment that hurts you, what do you do? You flinch. I think so many of us are flinching at the call of God. Every time God calls us in a service, every time there's an opportunity to be generous, every time there's something, what usually happens first? The building comes up, the opportunity to bless a single mother comes up, the person in front of you comes up, and what happens? Your first heart inclination is, I'm gonna. And then what happens is, the hand comes back, it's because you're gonna pay your bills. I'm going to sign up for my dream job. I'm going to be wise. Wisdom is not about just simple good application of safety. Wisdom is about application of heaven's direction. God, what did you tell me to do is what is wise, not what I am afraid to do. There's a difference. Let's live a bold life. Let's live a life where we're not in control, but we are on display. If you're going to break these trust issues and this is what's got to happen, you and I have to realize and go back to the flinch date. The first date that you actually got hurt from the moment that you adventured or you went out there. And what did we learn last week? It said that God is not slow as some would deem slowness. Meaning that just because God hasn't come through for you yet doesn't mean he's late. That just means that you attached your expectations on a God dream and now you're living according to your expectations but not his call. How many of you have given up on what God has asked you to do because he didn't do it the way you like it? You know what I mean? We are awesome backseat drivers but we love to give him the steering wheel. Wait, you mean you're taking a left on, on, on Pulaski? Not at this hour. That makes no sense. Why would you be going down Milwaukee right now? That's craziness. Get off the 90. <laughs> we love giving in the steering wheel because it makes us look and feel right. Wow. But I want to ask you right now, if you're not living for what God called you to live, if you're not living as he's called you to live, generous, gracious, loving, forgiving, if you're not generous in every area of your life with your finances through to your forgiveness, if you are not generous, I want you to just do this for me. Get back in that car and have a moment in your mind where you ask God to get out of the driver's seat. And then say this to him, I just don't really trust the way you drive. I don't trust the way you lead me. So I'm taking this back. Every time there's an inclination for you to pay for someone's meal at the restaurant and you don't do it, I want you to have that moment where you say, God, I'm just going to step in here for a second and I'm going to put you back to the, dry, I'm gonna put you back to the passenger seat because I need to take over. I don't trust you enough to be generous for this woman right now. I don't trust you enough to be generous for this right now. I don't trust you enough to forgive right now because forgiveness is an expression of generosity. It's your ability to make things right with someone and no longer hold them to something. But why don't you? Because who's going to settle that account? Who's going to tell them they're wrong? Who's going to protect you? Who's going to make sure you're okay? Well, I could be generous because I've got a God that takes care of me. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm here to be a life on display. I'm here to be imagery of what God did in my life. I'm here to extend hyper, like, 
just amplify the goodness in my life through this platform. This is what it is. Therefore, I'm not going to take you out of the driver's seat, God. I'm going to say this. I trust you enough to be generous to that, for that person that's in my line right now. I'm going to trust you enough to pay that person's bill. I'm going to trust you enough to quit that job and chase my calling. Oh, Chris, that's just craziness. It's not crazy. You know what's crazy? That you could be unhappy for 35 years on a Monday. That's crazy. That's ridiculousness. So let's go into four points. Four points that is the hallmark of somebody living their life on display. Number one is this, trust issues. Number one, if we're going to actually live our life on display, we've got to address our trust issues. You've got to do something about them. Issues don't go away, they grow. Issues don't just leave. Have you ever noticed that? Like we've got this one pipe in, in my house and it's been dripping a little bit, but I just didn't want to pay the plumber because plumbers, you pay plumbers. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to pay them. And I was like, I walk past every day, I'm like, it's not that bad. Now there's a mark in the middle of my floor and I'm like, that's not that bad. And then Odds is like, when are we going to get it fixed? It's not that bad. Until one day we're going to be left without hot water and then it's that bad. I was hoping it would just stop. Like, we wake up one day, like, I, I, you know, that's like me not paying my mortgage. Why? Babe, one day it'll go away. No, it doesn't. Issues get bigger. So unless you want to somehow just stay in the realm of dreaming, you've got to start dealing. You don't want to be a dreamer the rest of your life. I want to be a doer. But if I'm going to be a doer, I've got to be a dealer. I've got to deal with the things that are dealing with me. I've got to deal with the issues that are dealing with my convictions because I either trust him or I don't. Because what does the verse say prior to this that we said in Matthew 6, 23, it says that you cannot serve both God and money and it calls them masters. Basically saying one will control you or one will free you, but you've got to choose. What are the things that are stopping you from living those moments of generosity wow, wow. is that you grew up with a grandma that had a moment that just told you one day, hey, one day there's going to be an issue in your life and I just want you to let, I don't, I don't want you to grow up like me in the Great Depression. Have a savings account. Yeah. And some reason, something snapped in your spirit that day and you've never been able to spend. You save. You're not happy, but you keep saving. Yeah. That money you can't take with you to the grave, but it'll be there. In case you need new what? But it's there. Why? It's your safety net. Well, the problem is this. There is no real safety net except your Savior. Jesus is the only safety net. Stock market could change and everything that you've got there, could, you, could go, you could lose $250,000 in an instant. Like I said last week, the Bible in the New Testament often uses the word trust and it says to labor down on. I don't like to rest, I like to run. But my revelation of late as I'm older is that I rest because I like to win. Yeah. Rested Chris runs faster. Come on. Yeah. But if you can't rest on God's provision, you're gonna get tired of carrying your problems. What is it that you're holding on to because you don't trust God enough? And then do this for me, it's a very practical, simple thing. You're gonna wake up in the morning and let's say whatever it is, I can't trust you, God, because I don't think you will provide my calling. Why? Because I actually don't think I'm good enough for it. 
oh, you've got a worth issue. You don't trust that God's actually accurate when he says you're worthy of carrying his calling. You're worthy of living on display? Okay, then I want you to go to the Bible app and just put worth. Oh, but man, I've done devotionals. Cool. Oh, but I hear messages. Cool, 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 cool. But this is the thing. Secondhand food doesn't taste that great. You know what tastes real good? First-hand experience. If the Word of God is alive and living and it is an accurate display of who He is, then every time I open up my Word, guess what I just did? I just ordered myself a face-to-face meeting with the Creator of the universe. And how I interpret those words is so different to how someone else that wrote the devotional. There is a place for devotionals. I love them. They're awesome. They're brilliant. But I've got to tell you, when you need to set your foundations, don't get them from other people's revelations. When you need to set your foundations, you open that book and you say, God, we need some face-to-face time because my life has been dictated by what the devil's been saying to me and I need you in front of me to tell me that I'm worthy. You type that word in and we deal with our trust issues because if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. Number two, my will isn't where I'll find my best day. My will is not where I'll find my best day. How many of us have not gone in on a God dream because it doesn't line up with our dream? How many of us have lived a life believing that our dream is the best way to get to our best life? Man, if I just have the white picket fence, I get married, we have four kids, and I lead a ch- And if I do it this way, and we have our construction of the perfect life. But I have learned this, that following God requires a surrender of my will so that I might live His will. And funnily enough, the guy that created me actually created me to run in sync with Him. So actually, although the devil has made me believe that His will is the most boring of my days, the guy that created me, God of the universe, created me to actually fall in sync with His agenda and somehow when I do that, I find myself in my best day. Isn't that crazy? There's two fundamentals of pursuing your Christian walk that you can never evade. Number one is this. You will always need faith. And number two, you will always need humility. You could talk to any scientist. And they have a theory on how we got here. But it still does not come with a beginning. The molecules were just there. They expanded. But where did they come from? We don't know that part. This is just our explanation of how we got here. Cool, cool, cool. But you still then need faith, which then maybe falls in line with the creator of this universe made it out of faith because it only is faith that can accept the beginning of this place. So you always need faith no matter what you do. And you will always need humility. Why? Because you do not serve a God that is smaller than you. You serve a God that is bigger than you. So therefore, when you serve something that is bigger, you can't comprehend all that there is to comprehend, which means, what do you do? In a normal human experience, if I disagree with Etoir, if he can't prove it, what do I do? I walk away believing my side because he hasn't proven that it's wrong. But in a God relationship, if I can't see how God proves it, I surrender because I know he's always right. He is bigger. He is greater, which means that you and I, our life will always require trust and humility, which then means that I can surrender my will because I don't believe that my design is going to lead to my dream. But I do think that yours will, God. I do believe that yours will, God. Something happens when we live our life on display and we can surrender our will through faith and humility. 
I don't know how I can just trust God. Faith and humility. You live by faith all the time. How do you know that everything you're doing is going to work? You don't. You just seem to think it makes sense to you. This is just what makes sense to me. But that doesn't mean that it's going to work because it doesn't always work. The way that we actually surrender our will is through faith and humility. Number three is this. I've got to speed it up. I know. But man, we're just taking time on the series. We're taking some time. You're at home anyway. You know what I mean? You've got to lounge. You can watch it. Okay. 99 problems and money ain't one. 99 problems and money ain't one. And everyone's like, oh, this is where the prosperity part comes in. Hey, like love it. No, what I'm saying is this. You don't have a money problem. You have a faith problem, maybe. You have a trust problem, maybe. You have a vision problem, maybe. You have a conviction problem, maybe. You have a relationship problem with God, maybe. But money is not actually your problem. Money is where it's showing. But your spiritual life is where it's growing. Money is where it's being displayed, but that's not where it was planted. Acts 2.42, we read it last week. Somehow they have this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, everything's happening. It's the expression of the church, and they just tend to be generous. So when I'm good with God, I give. When Odds and I are just at the best of our marriage, our kids can ask anything. We're like, sure. Pizza? Everyone gets pizza. For breakfast, whatever, we don't care. Not really, odds would never allow that. But it's like out of good places, you bring what? Good things. The Bible says it. You and I don't have a money issue. We got a trust issue. We got a generosity issue. We got a relational issue with God. We got a spiritual issue. We got a conviction issue. We got a scriptural issue. But don't think that where it manifests is where the root is. I've got a problem in my marriage because it's my wife. Probably not. Because it's my husband. Probably not. It's actually probably something to do with something so disconnected that you never thought. And that's why, side note, side message, we need the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is like this heavenly just flashlight that can actually come down and say, hey, that's where it is. It's just, I want you to know this. That if you're not a giver, if you're not generous in all areas of your life, including finances, because remember, we're going for the giant. Although this topples to many places, we're going for the giant. It's actually not because you've got a money issue. And if you, can't, if you spend your finances before your next check, you don't have a stewardship problem. You have a wants problem. You have a keep up problem. You have an appearance problem. Let's get to the problem and not keep pursuing the fruit. Because fruit grows back. Number four, before we wrap up, is this. No care or call. This is my goal for us in this message. That if we could do those first three steps and fully trust God, that you and I could live without care and live absolutely in the midst of our call. I don't have care of if I fail. You know, one of the most sad moments as a youth pastor was, I can't remember his name, but we'll call him Little Jimmy because it sounds like a good name. Little, Little Jimmy. Jimmy comes up, he's like, I want to be a youth pastor. And his parents come in and go, yes, but first you're going to get a law degree. I was like, oh, that's cool. You basically just told him that this God dream needs a backup. Wow. 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 Or you just told him that he needs to know. 
come to find out that his father wanted to be in ministry and he failed and then he ended up starting business and he never wanted his son to go through that. See, this is the thing. If we're going to be on display, you're going to display your wounds. And the reality was maybe his father actually was never called to be in ministry or maybe he was and didn't stick it out. I don't know the story. But what I do know is this, that he passed on his problems to his children. And I thought, that is no way to go for calling. I can't live my calling if I'm consumed with care. Man, I am so thankful that I was able to start People Church because I wasn't consumed with caring about how I would feed my family. How, what if people don't show up? What if it takes this long for our milestones? The reality was, is that in the parable of the sower, we see a really important framework for what care will do to a seed. One of the grounds where the seed fell sparked up with growth. And then what does it say? The devil stole it by choking them out with the cares and the worries of this world. How many times has God in a service, in a moment, in this moment, dropped a seed of your potential, of your dream, of your calling, of what he could do in your life, and it flourishes, and by Monday you're journaling, and then you get your first bill, and before you know it, you're like, whoa, care starts to come in, and calling starts to fall behind. See, here's the thing. You don't build your convictions in the fight. You build them in the back blocks. If you're not doing the work while no one can see you, you'll never live the life that God has called you to live because you need to build that on the outside. Let's go to, as we wrap up, let's, let's discover this concept. Let's see who in the Bible, although there are many, that we could maybe think about has lived a life on display and what did it do? Let's go to uh, Daniel for me, please. This is Daniel. The, you know, many Christians have started the Daniel fast. This is thanks to this moment. We have all been hungry because of this moment. And it says this. Daniel, basically, you've got to understand this. Daniel is serving under a king. Uh, that king wants him to succumb to his preferences to his cultural standards to the point where he changes his name changes his name gives him a new name with a new meaning and a new identity because Daniel's name was a God-given name with God-given kingdom meaning and what he wants to do is he wants to make him do certain things and Daniel's like you know what I'm not going to eat that I'm going to fast and then his oversight is concerned because he's like, well, my king will be concerned that you don't look like the rest and then he'll know that you're not being fed and Daniel says let's put a challenge out there AKA, let's put my life on display. I'm not going to eat that which my God tells me not to eat. I'm going to stay true. Even while it's difficult, I will stay true. And let's see if you can tell the difference between me and the others at the end of this. This is where we pick it up. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the King who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The King would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and, what, and, and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in according with what you see. 
This is what happens. They come back and they are flourishing far more than the others. And what is quite amazing is that 10 is the biblical standard of completion, perfection. It's funny that after 10 days, they come back and they see God's perfect ability to sustain and look after his people that are willing to put themselves on display. Daniel took a risk to the world, but he lived by a conviction in his faith. I hate when people spell faith R-I-S-K. It's not spelled that way, first of all. And secondly, it's not a risk. Faith is not a risk. It is assurance. Faith, the Bible calls a substance. Therefore, my faith is not this piffy, just Christian way of explaining things away without reason. No, faith is my chosen belief system that my God is real and he will prove it. And therefore, I will put my faith and take it off the shelf and I will put it to the test. And then you see if I look different. Why? Because we are seeing the premise that when I put my life on display, God shows up. So much so that then we jump down to the rest of this story where then they're found praising God and the king doesn't like it, so he wants to throw them in the furnace and this is what we see and we're going to glean something from this in the area of trusting and living our life on display. The king Nebuchadnezzar leaped, so they've already been thrown in the fire. It was stoked so hot that the people that threw them in the fire burned themselves. Like, like, that was my best acting of that moment. Add some effects, Mike, at the end of that. Okay. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Let me tell you this, that when there is fire in the Bible and it does not consume... It is resemblance of purification. You've got to understand that if you're going to live your life on display, you've got to be ready to jump in the fire. But you've also got to understand that God's not going to leave you there by yourself. And you've got to understand that even when people, like who gets that idea? Hey, and the fourth one looks like the son of a God. Didn't know him. Didn't know how to name him but he felt his impact. People, church, you and me, we have to be prepared to live a life on display. Is this verse about finance? No, it's about trust. It's about trust in a God who will always show up and always show off. That's why I chose it. Is it before anyone's like, oh, that's not about finances. It's not about finances. But your finances are not about finances either. They're about your trust. They're about the fact that you don't know how to stand for what God is going to do in your life because you're afraid that the system of this world will have its way. The system of Daniel's world did not have its way. Why? Because they chose to stand on a God that loves them. I want to encourage you that if anything this series does, I pray that it unleashes you to live the life that God has called you to live. I don't want to show up to Monday People Church sitting there and enduring what I think I must do because I'm too afraid to do what God said I could do. We're going to be generous. And in the weeks to come, we're going to speak about the flow of God's blessings and how when we put God first, there are, there are definite promises, but I told you last week, we're going to preach this from the other way around. Last week, we learned that we give because we want the kingdom to gain. We give because if we
can give in the practical measure. Our buildings open up and people can walk through and find a relationship with Jesus. That is amazing and that's what we're going for. Oh, we don't need buildings. Yeah, you know what? People usually find it easiest to find hope in physical locations. I don't know where to run anymore, but I know this address. I've seen flags, I've seen signage, I've seen places. I've heard about it. And I just want to encourage you, over these next seven weeks, we're going to go and start dealing with our issues. We're going to start dealing with the things that are dealing with us so that you and I could live this carefree, coal-full life. And if you're on the other side of this, and maybe you're playing with a whole bunch of things, maybe asking yourself, how do I know this is real? How do I God's real? How do I know I'm going to get through this? Maybe like me, anxiety has gripped you, and there was a time where you thought, I'm not going to make it through this. There is no option for me. And it was in that moment that God became real to me. And I want to tell you right now that you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. That this whole journey, this world we live in, no matter how you choose to place it, is always about faith and humility. And I think there is no better place you could place it than in a God who collided with you today on the other side of a screen that you never maybe anticipated staying this long in the service, but yet you're here. And I want to ask you right now, if you're here, what are you going to do with this moment? Every single one of us have a choice with how we will steward the moments that come to us. What are you going to do with it? The Bible puts it this way, that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ died and rose again, you shall be saved. That word saved is a powerful concept. It's not saying that you will live an evasive life. It means that you will live a life being saved, which means that no matter what problems life puts you in, you've got a God that will get you out. No matter what happens to you, He'll get you through it. This is the promise. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not signing up to a simple life. You're signing up to the designed life that you were given, which means there's probably going to be opposition and there's probably going to be giants. And this week might be one of your craziest, but I'll tell you what, it'll also be one of your peaceful, most peaceful. Because peace is not the lack of problems. It's being in the midst of problems and still feeling peaceful. I want to encourage you. If you're on the other side of this camera, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray for you, just like someone prayed for me years ago. And I'm going to pray that peace enters your life purpose becomes what you live for and that God becomes real to you as we all continue to live a life that is on display because you are not meant to be the sum of your problems. You are not meant to fall into the background of your life. If you've asked the question, will anyone remember me? I want to let you know that this message is for you. You are called to be remembered. This is not just hype. This is not just circumstance or or, or happenstance. This is a God message for you and I believe that God wants to live your life and help you, sorry, help you live your life on display. So come on, if that's you, you're saying, Chris, pray for me, I need this. We're gonna all pray a prayer, and it's inviting Jesus into our heart as our Lord and Savior. You ready? Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I thank you. You forgive me of all my sin. I have a hope, a future, and a destiny through a life with you. Help me live on display to commit my ways, my life, my dreams dreams. to you. you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise in this place. We love it. And we're so thankful that you joined us for another week in this series. We've got six more weeks and I believe it's going to be challenging, inspiring. And I want you to write something down that you are believing for off the back of this series. If you're believing that you're going to have the courage to step into the direction of your calling, in peace, restoration for your marriage and relationships. I believe as we learn to trust God with what is most difficult, that God is going to do surgery in our heart and help us move. We will see you back here next week for another message in our series, Gone But Not Forgotten.
Hey, welcome. I am so glad that you're sharing in this moment with us. You're here right now and we are excited for you for the rest of your journey. We believe that was the best decision that you could ever make and we want to celebrate. We celebrate big moments around here and we celebrate big moments with gifts. And so we want to give you this gift. It is the Book of John. It is one of the Gospels and we chose this one because it is beautifully laid out and we wanted to hallmark the moment and we wanted you to be able to create moments of your own off the back of this service where you maybe off the back of a coffee or at work, wherever you are, you could read this and start your relationship with God. So if you made that decision and you are from Chicago, all you've got to do is text CREATION to 312-586-8376. And if you are from anywhere else in the world, we can still get it to you. All you've got to do is text CREATION, but text this number, 1718-550-7045. From there, it's really easy. All you've got to do is open up your email, accept the invitation, and then one of our team members will get in touch with you and we will get this gift in your hands. We know this, there are big things ahead for you. Don't be overwhelmed because we say this around People Church: small things create big change. So just keep stepping. We'll see you back here next week for another message in the series.